0: Welcome to the Changemakers by Food Nation, a podcast that stories and insights of visionaries tackling some of the biggest challenges facing our food system. On this podcast, you will find interviews with innovators, scientists, advocates, policymakers, educators, and many more, all united by a common objective. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and challenged. Now join the show host, Dr. Julia Oleandro. On this episode, we'll be discussing nutrition and your mental health. I'll be having this conversation with none other than Dr. Huma Naido. Dr. Naido is an avid trained nutritional psychiatrist, professional chef, and a nutrition specialist. She's also the author of the book, This is Your Brain on Food. She founded and directs the first hospital-based nutritional psychiatry service in the United States and she's also the Director of Nutrition and Metabolic Psychiatry at MassGen. Dr. Munaido, it's great to have you here.
1: Thanks so much, Dr. Julia. It's lovely to talk
0: to you. So I, I love studying and uh, the conversation by giving our audience an opportunity to learn a bit about you. Everyone has a story. How did you get to the point that you are today? What, what led you? To, to choose a career in healthcare?
1: Sure, you know, it, it stems, to my, stems and goes back to my childhood, my family of origin. I grew up in a very large South Asian family, uh, surrounded by a lot of food and love, nutrients, but also a lot of science. Um, my, I spent the daytime with my grandparents uh, who taught me yoga and meditation and healthy eating just because my grandma would, you know, pick fresh vegetables from the garden, I'd help her. She'd cook meals, we'd sit down and all eat together because my mom was in medical school during the day. So I, I feel like I learned a lot from my environment culturally as well as from the science aspect because I had aunts and uncles um, who were in the medical profession as well as some who were Ayurvedic practitioners. So it was sort of this combination of holistic health but with allopathic medicine as well. And when I you know knew that I loved and wanted to do psychiatry I found myself asking the question, why aren't we asking what more people can be doing to feel better? And what about mindfulness? What about how they're eating? Um, we know that the medications uh, cause side effects, you know, but we were not asking those questions. And a very important aha moment for me, early on in my career with the patient, and I do describe it in the book, you know, he was upset because he thought that I caused him to gain weight because of a prescription for Prozac. And being very early in my career, I was a little intimidated because he was kind of raising his voice at me. And I was a new trainee, but I was able to see that he was drinking this very large cup of coffee. And I asked him about what he put into it. And I realized that when I explained to him the empty calories he was consuming, more than a quarter cup of processed creamer, eight teaspoons of just pure refined sugar. Um, His eyes lit up and that really was my aha moment because interpreting empty calories to him, showing him what that meant, really made him feel empowered to make a change. And we grew to have a good therapeutic relationship over time. He slowly made adjustments and lost weight. He felt better. He needed a low dose of medication. And those things were very powerful to me early on in my career. And knowing that doctors don't learn enough about nutrition, I really decided to dive deeper. Now, the the culinary journey came really because I have a uh, Julia Child as my food hero. And so I would watch her as I was you know, studying and uh, coming from that large family, I never really learned to cook because everyone else cooked. And I would watch her and that's how I taught myself with my mom's recipes and grandma's recipes. And when I found out that she really is known for her, se- her second career, which is her culinary career, I thought, you know, why not me? Why, why, why can't I go and study more and learn about this? I was very fortunate, Dr. Julia, when mentorship mentors at my hospital, you know, understood the things I was doing and realized that the gut microbiome research was coming forward. Nutritional psychiatry was moving forward and really offered me the opportunity to start the clinical service that I did. So you, it, it gave me the ability to use, utilize my training in different areas to help people with their emotional well being. And I still prescribe medications, but I do feel we need more tools in the toolbox.
0: That's uh, that's amazing. That's truly amazing. And I realized that for a lot of people, the family of origin plays a, a, a large role, a big role in um, career decisions and also in interest, general interest as well. And it's, it's so good to yes. see. How, how this integrates in your story. So let's go a little bit into nutritional psychiatry. Um, some people might not be familiar with this term. Do you mind explaining what exactly uh, this field of medicine is?
1: Sure. So it's a very new, uh, new field and it really has come about Dr. Julia because of the emerging research in the last one to two decades around the gut microbiome and the gut-brain connection. And really, I like to say that the gut brain connection helps to unpack and explain the food mood connection. The um, nutritional psychiatry based simply is the use of healthy whole foods and nutrients based on the scientific evidence which I write about in my book, to improve your mental well-being. And you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis. you could be feeling a little bit you know sluggish and a little bit blue during the pandemic. You may be feeling that you're not sleeping well or have more anxiety than usual, and you can actually use nutrition as a very powerful tool Because think about it this way we eat, we eat every day, why not we do it a little bit better to improve our mental well being.
0: That's that's really interesting, and and I absolutely agree with you. The more people know, uh, the more they can do, the the better they can live. And one of the things uh, that we've seen, and one of the reasons why I'm very passionate about this podcast and other methods of educating people is like a lot of times people know that they can do something to improve their quality of life. And the turn to the internet for information. And a lot of times the loudest voices out there might not be the most knowledgeable. So giving people like you, people that are really knowledgeable about um, what is really going on in the human body and what are the newest information that's coming out of the scientific community, a platform to share, to share and educate people. So they know that the information they're getting is really, really reliable. And they can actually act on it confidently. And I, I just thought about the example you gave about your patient that was upset that is getting weight. And really, this is just due to some things you could easily change, some things you can have, um small changes you can make every single day. So it's really, really really crucial. So when many people think about um, mental health uh, or food affecting their mood, mental health, they think about, okay, maybe what I eat affects the way I look and then that affects my self-esteem and the way I feel or my mood Mm -hmm. and all that. But uh, your book shed more light into that. It's a, a little bit more than that. And I was wondering if you don't mind unpacking what it truly means for food to affect mental health.
1: Absolutely. And I think you picked up on exactly what I think the, the message of my mission is, Dr. Mm-hmm. Julia, it's that, you know, we talk to our doctors about weight gain or family history of type 2 diabetes, but we don't talk about our mental health and we mm-hmm. especially don't talk about that connection. Yet, when we think about what we say to our families, our friends, we often might say, I have a headache after a meal. Mm-hmm. I have some brain fog in the afternoon and I'm trying to concentrate at work. Well, I feel sluggish. I'm not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. And we we almost never associate that with with food. And that's really the niche that nutritional psychiatry fills. It's helping us understand that the gut and brain are connected and they are connected because they arise from the exact same cells in the human embryo. And then they divide up to form these two organs. Then they remain connected throughout life by the vagus nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve. Mm And that runs from the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain. So it's a two-way connection. Think of it as a two-way superhighway, allowing for chemical messages to go back and forth all the time. What that basically helps us understand is a few more things. Serotonin is often called the happiness hormone. Um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, like the one that my patient Bill was taking, Prozac as an example. Um, Zoloft or Sertraline is an example, that's, that's what they are basically trying to impact is the serotonin. Yet about 90% of serotonin receptors are in the gut and much of it is made in the gut. So it helps us understand that there is this connection that we are unpacking. Now, the microbes in the gut are there to really help us with many aspects of our health, sleep, circadian rhythm, hormones, vitamin production, immunity but they also have a role in mental health. These are microscopic uh, microbes, bacteria, fungi, many different types that live in the gut and they're there to support our health. But along with them, along with the good guys, you have the bad guys. So when we eat those, you know, more fast food processed junk foods um, that are not, we know are not healthy for us, highly sugared foods, the bad microbes get nurtured and fed. And when they are fed, they start to cause inflammation by causing breakdown substances from the food we eat that are more toxic to the lining of the gut. And when we eat a healthier meal, we're more aware and we're making better choices, the good microbes are fed. And when they thrive, one of the foods they love is fiber. And when they thrive, they are reducing any inflammation in the gut. And helping us feel better and everything else function better. So, with you know, the gut microbiome and the, and, the, and this axis is now being seen as a very important part of our physical, but also our mental health.
0: That's that's really interesting, and it's it's um it's also good to hear everything you've um, shared in in a few minutes, like because one of the things I've realized um or we keep hearing from time to time is how powerful the gut, my gut microbiome is. I remember speaking recently with um, a gynecologist and she was just talking about nutrition and health. And then she mentioned that one crucial part that people do not realize is the gut microbiome. And just as you have tied it to mental health, she tied it so well to how it's important for um reproductive health as well. She went from mm-hmm. how it affects people during puberty, during childbirth, mm-hmm. and even infection. She talked about how infection in your gut could affect infection in your uh, reproductive area as well. So it's so interesting how powerful the gut microbiome is. I mean, it's um, it, it's it's also good to learn. And one um, thing I want to ask you is that, yes, we, we, we see how important this area of our body is now. People, people, Hopefully people are listening and thinking, what am I doing that I can do differently? So by that, I mean, nutrition also affects the gut microbiome. There was a study that was published in Science by Lipin, uh, Lipin Zhao, Dr. ping Zhao, mm-hmm. where it talked about how gut microbiome can be um Modified in a way to diet. So, I fiber the diet rich in fiber could um, create a, a very conducive environment for microbes that decompose sugar. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. That was, those were mm-hmm. in these nice words, mm-hmm. but let me mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. That and in so doing. By adjusting your diet, you could actually manage type two diabetes. His study was very extensive. He did clinical trials, mm-hmm. and he published the results of the work. I think the work was done over a period of four years, where they worked with people and they adjusted their diet, and it was very remarkable to see how changes in diet could play out remarkably in um, in overall well-being, improving people's health. So my my question, my next question is, is to um, kind of like share with us briefly. I noticed in your book, which is a very remarkable piece of work. uh, Thank you for sharing so much with us. Yeah, um, I noticed that you had specifics. I guess your background as a chef as well also brought Mm -hmm. a lot into this. You shared specifics in terms of um, the type of food you chose to eat when um, you, you found out that you weren't feeling so well, you had some medical challenges. And you shared how specific food types you chose to pick, some things you decide to eat. And I was wondering um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about how people can intentionally improve uh, their gut health by making better food choices. And if you could share some food types as well, that would be great.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I, I was unexpectedly in a medical situation where my own health was challenged and, um, from being someone who didn't experience angst or anxiety or worry uh, on a regular basis. I was very concerned about being in treatment and I really realized my, uh, uh, you know, it was a a very humbling point in my career because I realized that I was, I could lean into and tap into what I was teaching other people to do to improve how I was um, managing my own symptoms and it was really a good way to test the hypothesis, but also experience it from both both sides, both as being the client or the doctor. You know, I think that it starts with how we are eating today. And I would just ask anyone listening to us today to think, you know, over the pandemic, have you picked up a food habit that you wish you hadn't? That's a good place to start because many of us have. And uh, we know that the statistics from the pandemic have shown that in the U.S., most people have gained weight than not, and that they're struggling with something, either emotional health or physical health, but people are emotionally definitely having a more difficult time. We know this because studies have also shown an uptick of depression, anxiety, use of substances, so alcohol and drugs, as well as other things. So it bears the question, you know, think about what, what you wish you could change and start there. Things that you can do to clean up your your eating are just simply starting to reduce, lower the processed kind of junk foods, packaged foods that are in your kitchen cabinets. And you're relying on those foods versus having them once in a while. The added and refined sugars in foods, a lot of people don't realize that um, savory foods, pasta sauces that are store-bought, salad dressings, ketchup, um, all have a lot of added sugar in them. Understanding where those refined and added sugars are and and lowering those foods becomes important. Processed vegetable oils are pro-inflammatory. So they actually cause more inflammation in the gut and are not healthy for us for that reason. But fast food restaurants tend to use these oils all the time because they're less expensive. So cutting back on those fast foods, understanding where you're getting your nutrition becomes important. Another category is sort of trans fats, the the, the fats that are really in those kind of packaged uh, shelf stable goods and artificial sweeteners is another category to be wary of. So think about where in your diet, what you're doing, What can you clean up a little bit? And what can you change? Can you find a healthy alternative to that candy bar? Can you, you know, create something uh, with fruit that is a healthier choice because fruit will give you nutrients and fiber and my favorite are berries. So um, that's one, another way to think about it. Things that you can start to include are actually simpler than you realize, but most people ignore them, Dr. Julia, because they think, oh, well, you know, my doctor's just saying eat a salad. But leafy greens, you know, the, the greener, the better. They contain a nutrient called folate, which is vitamin B9. And this is very powerful because low levels of folate are associated with depression. So just having a bed of leafy greens in which you, you build a bigger salad is actually a really good thing to do for yourself every day plus. Fiber is what feeds those gut microbes and makes them healthy, makes them work for us. So fiber is contained in vegetables, fruit, beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, and healthy whole grains. Just start adding those into your diet and you will start to create any gut healing that you might need. You will help to take care of those gut microbes. And you know you can't obtain fiber from, from meat and animal and seafood protein. So you can still have proteins of that kind, but just make sure you're also leaning into the vegetables as well as the nuts and seeds and the beans. Other things that you can do, omega-3s. Now people have heard the term and you get omega-3 fatty acids from fatty fish like salmon, sardines, anchovies, but you get some plant-based sources. Um, chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts. So these are just a f- very few of the many foods I talk about in the book. You know, I talk about over 200 foods in the book, but here's the thing. It's about thinking where we're at, what can we clean up in our diet? And what are, these, what are the things we can start to
0: include? Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that very, uh, very much. So um, probiotics and prebiotics, some of thing that people talk about a lot. And of course, because there's a lot of interest in that There's a lot of um, supplements, a lot of products, just some are real, some are not um, what they describe themselves to be. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on probiotics, prebiotics and mental health as a whole. Is there an interplay? How do they interact and just get your thoughts on it.
1: Sure. So the way I think about it is that, you know, prebiotics actually can be obtained from food sources. Um, because prebiotics, what they are is a form of fiber that feeds and nurtures the gut microbes. So mm-hmm. you need to give them food. A good way to do it is through prebiotic foods. And some great and easy foods that are prebiotic are the, the allium family, garlics, uh, garlic, leeks, onions, um, also things like jicama, um, bananas, oats, depending on you know uh, what you eat, and so I think that uh, it's a good way to start to include some of those foods into your diet on a daily basis. A lot of people turn to a supplement, but also think why not food first since we're eating meals? Why not we enhance what we're eating? Mm-hmm. The way that I like to discuss probiotics, so you, know, you can get a supplement and maybe you've tried one at the pharmacy um, or you've spoken to your doctor about trying a probiotic, but you can also just start to eat um, fermented foods. A very recent mm-hmm. study published in a very uh, prestigious journal called Cell this past summer, Um, it was actually done by researchers at Stanford University and looked at ferment, it looked at several things, but one of the things they found is fermented foods help to lower inflammation in the gut. And this is a very significant thing because inflammation, the chronic insidious inflammation that occurs in organs like the gut is being seen as associated and underlying conditions like depression, anxiety, and even cognitive problems. So it's a really, really good piece of information for us to have. Mm-hmm. So think about it this way, prebiotic is food and probiotic could be a supplement or fermented foods. And fermented foods, most every culture has one, but some of my favorites are kimchi, kefir, if you consume dairy, it's a sour form of yogurt. I like the plain type, miso, tempeh, sauerkraut, several others. Um, and you know these are, these are things you can start to include in your daily diet to help your gut along. When you take a supplement as a probiotic, remember that that has a certain number of strains. And whereas when you eat um, certain foods that are fermented, you may be getting many more different kinds of strains of good bacteria to help your gut. Also, when you stop taking a supplement like a probiotic, the the positive changes that it has had in your gut start to reverse over time. So when you start taking it, you've got to continue taking it.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that and um, shedding more light on that for us. Thank you. So if someone is listening today and um, they want to grab a copy of your book, where would you say is the best place to uh, get a copy? Because I, I really feel not people should read that. It's, it's a remarkable one.
1: Thank you. You can um, try your local bookseller. It's called This Is Your Brain on Food. It's available on my website, uh, which links to the different bookstores, umanaidumd.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow me on social media uh, where we share about the book. And you, if you like this information, we use it as an educational forum. And my handle is at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. Um, so I, I hope you'll I hope you'll find it of uh, use to
0: you. Sure, and we'll also include all this information in the show notes uh, if you want to uh, follow um, Dr. Nadio and get more information about the resources she provides as well. Thank you so much for making time to connect with our audience today. It's been great learning from you and just that. Uh, talking to you today. And I look forward to connecting with you all very soon. Until next time, I bring another exceptional guest your way. Stay safe and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And until the next time we bring another exceptional leader your way, stay in touch with us on all social media platforms. Find details in the show notes.